We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2022 Valero, Texas Open Picks, Research, and First Look Preview for the tournament. Hopefully, I can keep this as abbreviated as possible so you get the info you need to know, and then we can move on our way. A few things before we start play in the DraftKings Listeners League this week. If we don't fill this quickly, we're not going to be able to max out the Masters because apparently people forgot that the match play started on Wednesday or they just don't care about the match play. We did not fill 3,000 spots last week for the first time in history, which is a bad luck going into the Masters in terms of them giving us rake-free money at DraftKings. So the link is down in the description. Go reserve your spot right now to make sure that fills so we get Boku rake-free money at the Masters. And we have a complete Masters preview, five days worth of action coming to you starting next Friday, one on the weekend, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We got cut sweats. Our friends at Run Pure Sports will have showdown content Thursday night and Friday night all up on Mayo Media Network. So subscribe to Mayo Media Network. Smash the like button to this episode. Help us rig the algorithm with whatever the fuck you want. That's okay. Put whatever you want down there. We are good to go. Better be nice, though. I don't want to read nasty things about myself because I'm not having a great weekend. I'm not going to lie to you. I was feeling really good. If you're not following Sky on Twitter, you should really rectify that right now. But he was tweeting out the different, like, 6 of 6 combinations, 5 of 5 combinations from the match play. And here I am with... A 5 of 6 lineup, which 0.38% of people had, thinking like, you know what? A few things break my way, I'm going to take home the big prize. What am I looking at after the round of 16? 0 for 5 on those guys, so that was terrific news. Thanks, John Rom, for not showing up. Morikawa, that was fantastic work against Abraham Answer. Did not have the answer to the Mexican sensation. 
So it was a tough beat for me. So it's not probably going to be a winning week. You never know that, though, because a lot of people lost a lot of different types of players, and maybe they have O of sixes going forward. I still have more lineups with guys in them, but, like, man, it's a real kick in the nuts when stuff like that happens. It was very frustrating. It's the first time I felt really frustrated at a day of golf, although Thursday wasn't all that much better when all of my guys were winning, like, three up on the back nine, then they all lost. That was always fun. Adam Scott on Saturday was not terrific news either i did bet adam scott to win the masters this weekend however i know feinberg's been on it for a while i think he caught a 70 i saw 66s still lurking out there i played the 66 i'd play it down to 55 maybe even 50 because he's not going to be playing in the valero texas open as we just talked about uh we haven't talked about it yet but we are going to talk about the valero he's not in the field he has won this event in the past however i just think he's playing good golf right now and the putter has been good that's, I mean, if you sort by, if you use Fantasy National, and then you sort by the past 50 rounds, he's like the number three putter on tour. I don't think that, in my mind, just watching him putt, don't feel like he's the number three putter on tour, but he's like above average now. So that's good news. And we know that he's won at Augusta before. I like what I'm seeing out of the ball striking. However, the driving is somewhat inconsistent, but he seems to have a knack for driving it well at the Masters. Keep up those irons, keep up the putter. He knows the grounds almost as well as anyone at this point. And Adam Scott, not a young man anymore. So Adam Scott, there's the first uh, first real one on the board. I have like Bobby Mack and Thomas Peters at triple digits from way back. But this is the first like real bet that I'm making for the card. Adam Scott, 66 to 1. Let's talk about the Valero Texas Open. Uh, there is one week left to register for the new one and done, the major season one and done at fantasygolfchampionships.com. It's 100 bucks to play or 125 bucks to play. Either way, there's like a thousand spots in it. Uh, it's filling up pretty quickly, so go get your spot right now. You can hit that down in the description or just go to Fantasy Golf Championships or Fan Golf Championships. Fan Golf Champs, that might also link you there. Either way, uh, go play on that right now. Let's fill that up. And it's another one and done. If you're already out of the big one and done, you might as well get into another one and done to pacify yourself over the next four and a half months. So it's always fun. I like one and dones. It changes up the strategy a little bit. And it's something where it takes less than 10 seconds a week to make your pick. Uh, so even if you forget a week, you're probably still good to go. The field at the Valero Texas Open this week is the last chance to qualify for the Masters. The only player that can get into Augusta from this field who is not yet qualified would be the winner this week. It's happened a few times in the past. Obviously, Corey Connors was able to do it the first year that they moved this event to this course. I think, it was, I think that's how it worked. Maybe I'm getting that all wrong, but Corey Connors was a Monday qualifier. He got in some sort of weird exemption after the field was set. Then he won that week. And I think that did get him. Yeah, it did get him into the Masters the next week. But it's a win and in situation for anyone not yet qualified. So Ricky Fowler, you got to win. If you don't want to miss your second Masters in a row. And the field is stronger, strong-ish, let's say. Much stronger than it was a year ago at this point. Uh, Rory decided to skip the match play to play in this event. Bryson, working through his injuries, is going to be playing this week. Hideki will be in the field, at least tentatively. He'll be his first start since he withdrew after Locke at the Players' Championship with his neck injury. Could be a back injury. It's golf. We don't really know. It's a neck or back, though. He said one of those two things. I just don't remember right now. You know what? It's probably not that pertinent, but beware of the injured golfer. It looked like Bryson was getting himself pretty healthy going into the match play. He played all right. He looked really rusty, though. The putter was 
fire the entire time. The rest of his game was a bit different, although his skill set can really play at this course. So he's a very interesting option this week, depending on what his number comes in at. Uh, Spieth and Ants are probably the other two, like, quote-unquote, elites in the field. I would expect all those guys, when we guess the odds at the end of the show, to be under 20-1. to 1. Then the next tier is what you would expect for an event like this. Connors is a former winner. You have Mad McNeely, Luke List. See, woo! Kim, who has a very good track record at the Oaks course in San Antonio. Woodland, Finau, Day, Westwood, Poulter. You have some Euros who are coming over who are either trying to qualify for the Masters or are already in the Masters based on results from a year ago. I believe Dick Bland got in with an exemption. Uh, Min, woo! Lee is in the Masters, so he is playing. Guido, first time we're seeing him, although he has not been good on the DP World Tour so far this season. He essentially peaked at last year's U.S. Open, which I think got him into this event, and that's been the end of Guido for right now. Uh, Robert McIntyre and Ricky both playing as well. Then you have, like, your mid-level stat guys, uh, that, like, third tier of player that you just normally see. Vegas, Lonto, Palmer, Streelman, Chris Kirk. Kirk's made some nice runs here in the past. Laird has won here. Keegan, not a bad Keegan course, mind you. Who else? Kucher, Brian Palmer, Brennan Grace. They're all going to be in the field. So let's see how these guys actually stack up and take a look at their histories right now as we switch over to fantasynational.com. Fantasynational.com slash mayo to get yourself 20% off, by the way, which you probably want to do because the Masters is coming up. Go grab that monthly deal. Grab yourself 20% off. I think it's like 25 bucks. Maybe it's 20 bucks after the discount. Maybe it's 30. I don't know what it is. I've been a member. I, I was the second overall member at Fantasy National. I don't remember what stuff costs anymore as it pertains to the site. And I'm not going to lie to you, they give it to me for free so I can use it and showcase it off here in front of everyone. Although I highly recommend that you use it. It's where I do all of my research and going through everything. Let's take a take look at the tournament history. This is where... Spieth got the monkey off the back last year. Outlasting my guy. There were you know, Cam Tring. Cam Tringali's not coming back here, but he was the 36-hole leader at this course. Uh, we've seen, I believe it's six of the 30 or the 54-hole leaders uh, since they started playing at the Oaks course in 2010 have actually ended up holding on to that lead. Spieth and Matt Wallace were the co-leaders going in to the final day a year ago. We jokingly called this the Charlie Hoffman Open over the years, and four of the past six champions, or five of the past seven, yeah, four of the past six champions have actually had a top 30 finish or better the year previous to winning. Uh, you can see that Landry wasn't in the field the year before. Then you had Chapel, uh, Jimmy Walker the year before that. I think that was Walker's year. And Charlie Hoffman had one, then Jimmy Walker had one. So five of the past seven have actually had a top 30 finish. Bodo didn't have one the year that he outdueled Jimmy Walker. Then Walker ended up winning the next year uh, in 2015. Uh, that was a real kick in the nuts the year that, I mean, I love Bodo. I'm glad that he won. I had money on Jimmy Walker, so that that sucked. But that was then the peak of Jimmy Walker, really. So we take a look at how oh, CT Pan's been like the worst guy in the field. Charlie Hoffman's been the best. It hasn't even really been close over the past three years, except for, I mean, on, I guess on a per-tournament basis, Connors has been just as good. You see Chapel has a win here. He's starting to play a little bit better. We'll see how he finishes in Corrales. Chris Kirk has had some runs at this tournament in the past. Streelman, Palmer, Snedeker, Grace, Laird. Laird has made each of his past four cuts, and he is a former winner at this event. See, whoo! Kim continues to lurk around. Only has that one high-end finish in 2019. That was the Connors year. Spieth won last year. So he has 22 overall stroke gains and just two starts. That's good to see. Lucas Glover's another one in the past five years. Two starts, two top 15 finishes for him. Landry got his win, got out of Dodge. That was the year I had all the money on Trey Mullenix, who came T2. That was just awful. I, I, I will never get it out of my mind that Chip 
shot that he tried to make. He tried to drive to the 17th hole, which you can try to do, and he's a bomber, so it would make sense. And he got himself to the left of the bunker on that side, and I don't know, he, like, hosled it into the bunker on his second shot, and that was the end of old Trey Mullinix. Not so fun, Trey Mullinix, but that's where we were at. Take a look at the strokes gain numbers from last year. You can see Spieth kind of did it all. He drove the ball well enough for Spieth when the rest of his game is clicking. Just don't be an abject failure off the tee. Almost gained a stroke on the field off the tee a year ago. The approach was great. The around the green was great. The putting was great. It's going to win you a lot of tournaments if you're Jordan Spieth and you're doing those sorts of things. Now, everyone else, like a lot of big off the tee play after that, though. Hoffman, Wallace, Glover, Lahiri, and Woodland all gained uh, 2.8 strokes on the field off the tee or more throughout the course of the week. The only guy to lose strokes putting was Wallace, but he kind of compensated for that with strokes gained around the green. Each of the top six finishers all gained around the green. And you can see like someone like Gary Woodland gained almost five strokes around the green, despite being just about a break-even putter and pretty mediocre, honestly, with the approach for the week. But the tee to green was there for him. You can see Hoffman actually led... Actually, no, Matt Wallace led all players tee to green, then Hoffman, then Spieth, then Glover. So the top four were the top four players tee to green, which is kind of nuts to think about. Let's go back to 2019 to see if anything was a little bit different. Switch over to the strokes gain metrics and see what we got going. Yeah, another kind of case of guys driving it really well off the tee. Uh, obviously, I mean, when you gain almost 12 strokes on approach and you're Corey Connor and you gain over four off the tee, you're going to have a pretty good week, regardless of how you chip and putt. But he did enough on the greens. Minus 1.5 around the greens is about what you would figure from someone like Corey Connors. But you can see everyone basically besides Brian Stewart, like you have Connors, Hoffman, Ryan Moore, C. Wu, Streel. Scott Brown, Danny Lee, Jason Kokrak, almost all of them were at least, I mean, the only one who dipped below two strokes gained off the D besides Stewart was Streelman, and he still gained 1.6. That's because he was such a fairway finder during that week, because the fairway percentage at this course off the tee is not exceptionally high. Uh, guys just miss a ton of fairways here. Uh, it's not the most penal if you miss the fairway. That's why guys feel very comfortable just kind of gripping and ripping it. But you can see you can kind of navigate around this either way. You want to be good tee to green, obviously. Uh, Ann and Connors were the two that were up there. I mean, Ben Ann lost six strokes putting. That's nothing new for him. But it was pretty close. Uh, he gained .2 strokes more tee to green than Corey Connors did. And everyone else just kind of up there as well. You see you know, 9.6 for Hoffman. He came in second. Siwoo, 9.1. He came in fourth. Eight for Ryan Moore. He came in third. So you want ball striking, although the disparity between approach and off the tee doesn't seem to be as pronounced as maybe it is in other years. So when we dig into the course a little bit more, we're going to see if that kind of plays itself out. At least that's what I'm seeing from the very top of the leaderboard right now. You have Bermuda Greens. Uh, scoring can be really difficult. Uh, if anyone remembers at this course where we gave Dustin Johnson a half win, mainly because that was the Bowditch year, actually 2014. It was the most, besides the Stenson and Phil Open Championship year, when there was like a collection of six guys who essentially did not get impacted by the win. And they all ended up in like, the, obviously Phil and Sensen played the best of that group, but like Charles, JB Holmes, they were all part of that wave. And they, they were just clear of everyone. It was kind of insane to think about. But this was the other one that I remember that was the most pronounced like AM versus PM stack. I think the, I'll have it in the article on Monday once I go find all of the numbers. But you know, this is the first look show. I'm trying to remember all this stuff as I go along. But I think it was like, a, I think it ended up being like a six shot difference between the am it was so bad 
in the morning, I believe it was that week. The pins had more lean than fucking Fat Joe as he was going along. Like, it was it was mind-bending. The pins actually looked like they were at 90-degree angles at some point. Well, maybe not 90, maybe like, you know, 75-degree angles. But it was just crazy, and then it kind of cleared up. Ortiz was another one who battled his way out of that to come inside the top 10 that year, uh, and Dustin was the other one. And then the other guys were just, like, playing in fantastic conditions the entire time. So remember to take a look as we go through at the wind before anything. It doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, that was such an outlier. It has not happened since. But these open Texas courses are ones where you do want to kind of look at that just a little bit to make sure that everything is going to be okay. You see, the wind has been moderate most of the years. 2018, you got windy AF, so it was over 17 miles per hour. So it happens from time to time. Where is 2014? Was it 2015? Ah, no, yeah, it was the first round in 2015. Uh, it was just crazy and wiped everyone out. Um, so you can play around with the mixed condition model if you want. It's over 7,400 yards. I believe it's almost 7,500 yards, but it is a par 72. As you can see, hitting the fairways, generally pretty difficult uh, over the years, although last year it played, one of the round, round four played pretty easy, and then it was like average too difficult as we went through. Um, that's kind of strange to see. Green firmness medium, greens Bermuda, all stuff that and you can see it's been lengthened a little bit over time because it used to play in that like 72 to 7,400 bucket. Now it's over 7,400 yards. It's a Greg Norman design with the help of Sergio Garcia. They've played at this course since 2010. So we should have a pretty good sample of what's going on. You can see that, let's see. I don't know, the, the first hole is the third hardest and the ninth hole is the second hardest. So it's going to be tough for any sort of showdown advantage this week. If we see the eagle rates on these holes, only the par four number 14 is one that you can really get to. It's pretty, I mean, it's the easiest hole on the course. It's only a 2% eagle rate though. So not a lot of eagles are being made. Uh, the 18th hole is a fun one too. So you can, it's the one with the little creek right before the green. So guys can end up making, usually if you put it into the creek, you can still get it up and down to make par anyway, but it's generally a three shot par five to close. That's why you see very few Eagles on that hole. And even the birdie rate, only 24%, only a fourth of the field is making birdie or better on that hole. So number 18 is no gimme as a par five. When you start looking into it, frankly, when you look at the birdie rates on all these holes, number 17 is the second easiest hole on the course. That's the one that is potentially dry at 347 yards they'll change the tee boxes up from day to day but it's not one where you can hit the you can drive the power four and make eagle as you can see it's only a 0.7 percent eagle rate it can still be a pretty tricky hole not a lot of bogeys on it only nine percent but frankly that's it's a bit more risk reward than you would think because you do need to make birdie on it obviously it plays pretty easy but you can get stymied on it with some poor putting and everything like that you can see a couple of these like when you go through uh, like number 13, a 22% bogey rate. Like that's, that's super high. Number four is a 26% bogey rate. But unless you're Kevin Na and you're making a 16 on a hole, as he has done in the past, uh, the double rates are not very high, like 5%, 5%, 4.5%, 3%, 1%, 3%. You can get yourself going in a bad way, but like there's a collection of holes, and a lot of them are on the back nine, 10, 12, 13, and 15. If you can just play those through par, you can do your scoring elsewhere on this course. And it's funny, even with uh, some of the longer par threes on this course, you can see there's one that's 240. There's one that's 241. You would think that would play really hard. And it does play over par. It's the fifth hardest on the course. It's number 13. But it's not like a disaster. Like the double percentage is not very high on that hole. And then you have, let's see, number now, like one's 207. So it's the medium 
type of difficulty on the course. Uh, one is 183. It's the 12th, 213. So they're longer par threes, but they're not playing as the toughest holes on the course, like they do it somewhere like the Arnold Palmer Invitational, for example, where you really need to watch out in that regard. Uh, we can see from the top 10 finishers, like approach obviously means the most, as it does every single week. Approach and putting are always going to mean the most, but when we take a look at the discrepancy between approach and off the tee, it's far less pronounced than most other courses. It's usually like three to two and a half to three times approach versus off the tee. It's not even two times at this course, as it relates to the top 10 finishers for the top five finishers. It even seems to be a little bit less. Yeah. Over a stroke per round on approach, you're going to need to do that, but you're going to need more than, you know, more than a half stroke off the tee per round in total as well. If you want to get, to the top of the leader, or at least in terms of the top five finishers of this course, make your bones on the par five, try to play about as even as possible on the par fours. We take a look at the whole composition. There's a lot that are 400 to 450. The really tough ones are 450 to 500. Then you have the two really long par fives that are over 600 yards. Those they're birdie holes, but they're three shot birdie holes by and large. At the same time, you can see the average shot distribution is very flat across this course. A lot of that has to do with those par fives where guys are laying up. So you're seeing more in this bucket here, the 100 to 150 range, and even a bit more up on 75 to 100 than we're normally used to seeing uh, at regular courses. Usually you get the biggest distribution gap between like 150 and then you know when you scale down. Now there is a gap, it's just not widely pronounced like you would see in most years over par i mean if you're under par for the week you're gonna make the cut presumably although guys have been doing pretty well this year three over last year even in 2019 two over one over one over there's the 2015 year seven over was the cut line after the, after the win absolutely destroyed everyone uh four over so even if you're one over outside of 2019 you still would have been pretty good as i mentioned the driving accuracy is only at 56 percent rather than the tour average of 62 percent greens and regulation are super low as well so around the green is going to play a pretty big factor if you're not absolutely striping it in terms of the ball striking uh the the average green regulation percentage on tour is around 66% and only 58% in this field. Scrambling, pretty easy. Three putts around tour average. Average driving distance, very long because guys don't care about hitting the fairways. There's not as much danger. The emphasis on hitting the fairway is not as large at this course as others. So guys can just scale back. I'm kind of digging if Bryson's right, man, Bryson's going to be good. This week, although we've seen like Connors and Spieth end up being the winners of this course, I think this is one where Bryson's strategy at Wingfoot can really go a long way and potentially be something that can factor in if he's going to be the one taking that approach. That's how I ended up on Mullenix that year. I do think the driving distance plays a big key, uh, depending on who you are. Obviously, if you're a top-end player like Spieth, uh, even Hideki and Rory and all those guys, and Connors because he's an elite ball striker, you can see how those guys end up doing really well but they need to be on top of their games and making their putts at the same time. Let's see. Oh, Valero, pretty solid. Let's see what we have in terms of the model. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without added security, you might as well give away all your private data to hackers, advertisers, the ISP, and other prying eyes. That's why I use IPVanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internets. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. That means your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. 
IP Vanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. You can use IP Vanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing on speed, your computers, tablets, phones, even your devices like Fire Stick, while you're streaming media. Whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IP Vanish. IP Vanish is offering an incredible, get this, 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's like getting nine months for free. IP Vanish is super easy to use. All you got to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take your privacy back today with the brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to ipvanish.com mayo and use promotional code mayo to claim your 70% savings. That's ipvanish.com slash mayo. For this course this week, so it's a lot of them in there. Okay, I had putting weighted at 0% just so I could see what's going on. So, Proc, off the tee, 10, approach, 15, ball striking. So, those two combined, I have at 30%. Par 5 is 5%. Driving distance, 10%. I just wanted to see the shot distribution proximity from 175 to 200. So, that's not actually factored in in the model, but sometimes on fantasynational.com, I just like to lay everything out in front of me so I don't need to be clicking around to see everything. I like to load it all in. Same as putting, that's weighted at 0 T to green is 5% opportunities gain. That's birdie or better putts in regulation inside 20 feet at 10%. Par threes at par threes from 200 to 225 at 5%. Then I have proximity 100 to 125, 125 to 150, both weighted at 5%. Is there anything I can scale back on a little bit? You know what? I'm going to get rid of T to green, although I think it makes a lot of sense. I've overweighted that anyway. I'm going to change that to strokes gained around the green, and I'm going to weight that at 5%. Uh, just to kind of compensate, I want to clear that noise out just so I can say, listen, if I if I can look at off the tee approach and ball striking, I think I can figure out tee to green if the guy's also good around the green. So let's load that in and see what we're looking at over the past 50 rounds right now, and then we'll take a more narrow view on the longer-term effects of if guys are trending up, if they're trending down in some of the key areas, because like something like par threes, 200 to 225, obviously putting plays a big factor in how people perform in that hole. So I think that taking a longer view of par threes from that range is probably a really good thing. I think around the green is another one to look at. And some of the other ones like approach and off the tee, yeah, there's a lot to be gained from looking at the past 50 rounds, 100 rounds, past two years to see who has the good baseline of those things. But I would want them in the shorter form to see if guys are surging in those numbers that potentially we can jump on. Let me guess, Rory's going to be number one. Actually, let's see. Rory is number one. List is number two. Keegan, Vegas, Mito, number five. Hideki, Bryson, Connors, Finau, and Kirk. I am shocked to see Finau this high. Let's see. He ruined my dreams after being beating Xander in the match play. Although he didn't do anything else the entire time. That was fantastic news. So the driving distance is still way up off the tee. I mean, he's just, he played well at the Genesis. Didn't drive the ball well, but the approach was really good from the final round of the Phoenix through the Genesis. We don't have stats from the match play because they just don't weight them. Uh, It's kind of crazy to see that he played two rounds of the players, did not have one shot from 100 to 125. So you can see how valuable that is at TPC Sawgrass. 
Now, the numbers aren't looking great for Finau, although in terms of being a class player in a field like this, long-term, obviously the numbers like him. I know that the the more that we go back in time, or the shorter we go back in time, instead of 50 rounds, we do 24 rounds. I'm guessing that Finau is going to be one of those casualties of going backwards. If he's ninth now, if we go past 24 rounds, I'm going to guess he's like probably outside the top 20. That's my guess, anyway. I can run the numbers, which I'm doing at the moment, to see if that is actually going to be the case. Maybe in my mind, it's a lot worse than the results actually are. Who knows? Where is old Bullet Tooth Tony? T5 Tony is actually still number 10 over the past 24 rounds. So what's he doing? He's hitting his 125 to 150 really well. Around the green sucks. Putting sucks. 100 to 125, although we haven't seen him take that many shots over the past 24 rounds. Still eighth in approach. How far back does this go? Was he, like, killing it at the very, like, beginning of this? Let's see, approach. Not, well, yeah, he was. Tour championship, he was good. Nothing for Mayakoba. Amex, he actually hit the ball pretty well. It's the driving that's been kind of letting him down a lot. Interesting with Finau. I mean, do I have the guts to go with Finau here? I don't know how much I enjoy that. So over the past 24 rounds, the top 10 in terms of ranking, list Keegan Hideki coming off the injury again. Rory, Chris Kirk is number five. Man, Vegas is going to be so popular this week. I'm going to put him on the short list. Maybe I just go with Connors. Well, oh, the Smother Man. Smother Man, number eight, Pendrith. Oh, it's an all camp. Pendrith actually sets up really well here. Uh, if he can hit his irons, okay. Obviously, he's going to bomb it because that's what he does. Number nine in the field in terms of driving distance gained. Uh, and the irons have been a lot better for him over the past 24 rounds. 30th in the field, 12th off the tee, and 100th in putting. But I feel that like, that's not factored into this, obviously. But the putter has been better like he can he lost a ton of strokes the final two rounds at the Arnold Palmer Invitational that's skewing that a little bit like his final round at Pebble Beach when he lost four strokes but you know plus plus minus plus minus minus plus plus and when he gains 1.7 in a round 1.9 in a round 1.6 in a round 1.4 that's the sort of volatility that I want to see out of a player like that uh not great from the 125 to 150 but the driving distance has been pretty good you'd like to see him clean that up a bit that's why I liked about Cam Young at the match plays that he drove it so well and so long he's wd from this field by the way he was initially in but now he is out yeah bryson's chipping his in close proximity is not good but everything else kind of tracks let's see here putting top 10 opportunities gained number four driving distance number one par five is number two so it's looking good for bryson if he can just i mean ball striking he's number eight because he's number one off the tee that can really go a long way. Laird, who's obviously made the past four cuts and won here, he's number 12. Kazire, we're back in Texas. Make note of that for old Patton Kazire. That was his run, I think, last year was all the way through Texas. And he had some other, like, decent stops too, but where was he really the best last year? Let's go take a look. Uh, he was okay. He was seventh at Sony. We get to Valero. Boop, number nine. Uh, let's go to Valspar. Okay, okay. Let's go back to Texas. Third. Let's go back to Texas. Third. So it's not bad. So something to do, uh, something in the water in Texas, where all of a sudden Pat and Kazire can hit his irons like no other. 8.1, 6.5, 6.4 with his iron play in Texas a year ago. Obviously, he did not qualify for the match play, so he was not going to do too well there. Hadwin and Woodland continue to rate out well. Are you Aaron Ray? Who wants to know? He's number 17 in this modeling. Guido's numbers are pulled from way too long ago, although they're good tournaments. You can see it has not been a great go for old Guido, uh, even basically since 
I guess Travelers, he was pretty good coming off the U.S. Open, which qualified him for all this stuff. But the Open missed the cut, made the cut in Bermuda, missed the cut in Mayakoba, and he's been a disaster so far in 2022 over on the DP World Tour. What else do we have in here that we can look at? Opportunities gain. Is there any sort of outlier in terms of rank? Yeah, Luke Donald's opportunities gains have been really good. Swafford's have been really good. I'm just looking at guys that are lower ranked that might pop up in this number. Svensson is another one. Rates out 32nd, but 17th in opportunities gained. Best par three, and this is one that we want to take a longer form view at. Canadians, they love the long par threes. Connors and Hadwin both inside the top three in that number. Former champ Andrew Landry is fourth in that number as well. Okay, that's somewhat interesting. Kirk, who's had a really good run at this tournament over the years, number 11 in that number. Obviously, Bo Hostler playing a little bit better at the moment. Uh, he's number 13. What else can we take a look at? Driving distance-wise, Bryson, Vegas, Rory, Brem, Mullinix, Bramlett, no, the Bramwagon, Wyndham Clark, who was doing all right down at Corrales. Not sure how he's going to end up because obviously I'm not from the future. I don't know. If I was from the future, i do a very good job of throwing people off the scent with my bets. Champ, Pendrith, Haggy, List, Woodland, Ricky Fowler. Interesting. Ricky Fowler's number 14th in driving distance gained over the past 24 hours. Maybe if it gets super windy, Min Woo. Put, put Min Woo on watch. Guy loves the wind. Smotherman is up there, so we're going back to Smotherman this week. Davis Riley. I mean, he's being interviewed along with Spieth pre-tournament. Like, this is his jam playing in tougher conditions in San Antonio. You ask, uh, add on 7X all about Davis Riley. Yes, Josh Perry, too. They'll tell you the inside info on Davis Riley. It's kind of unfortunate that he had popped so well at Valspar two weeks ago and made that run. Oh, he goes in the field. Didn't even realize he goes in the field. Got to get ready for the Masters, I suppose. Watney continues to play good golf. It's shocking to me how he's playing such good golf. David Skeens is in the field. He was the first alternate. He got in when Cameron Young withdrew. Let's see. Dylan Wu, Alex Smalley. All right. Who else do we got here in terms of approach? I can't believe Donald's number one. For a guy who makes no, like his stats don't make any sense for a guy who sucks. Like 16th at the Valspar, great. He finally gained some strokes putting, but like Puerto Rico missed the cut. I assume he played it well there. Like he's so bad off the tee that if he, like very rarely do you find someone who's consistently so good with their irons, especially in two rounds, four strokes gained on approach in two rounds, two and a half in Phoenix. And he's so bad off the tee that it just sinks him every single time. It's, it's kind of unbelievable for a guy who used to be the number one player in the world. There's Stenson probably wouldn't look too much into him. Gim Reaper. All right, I can buy into Gim Reaper and maybe the Knights who say me, Smith, coming through for us this week. They're both ranked inside the top 30 overall. We should probably take a look at who came inside the top 30 last year. I don't know if that's like a trend. I mean, it's a trend. Anything's a trend if you just spell out over this this many players over this course of time do X. But maybe there is something to that. Uh, the Glove is someone we can look at. Lahiri's back in the field. Chris, could this finally be the Chris Kirk week? Maybe is what I'll say. So 13th cut, 8th cut, 6th. So I guess by trends, he would be cut. Woodland, you know I'm going to be betting Woodland. We do guess the odds. I'm not, frankly, too enthused about his numbers. Luke Liss could get another win here. Why not, right? Big Rick Fowler, Connors, Cooch. I mean, even if Connors is 20 to 1, I might bet him this week. Screw it. Although, if he ends up doing really well at the match play, that could be the end of, the end of days for us. Answers up there. Keegan's up there. Keegan's playing some good golf right now. Martin Laird was T30. Hideki, that would put him into place. See, Wu is back up there. Hadwin, KH Lee. All right, so we, we got some guys that we can kind of go towards to see how they end up doing. If we go back, 
now and just take more of a rolling report approach to the stat model to see how we're doing. Let's see if that reveals anything for us inside the custom model that guys that are, you know, started way back and are doing really well at the moment or vice versa, guys that were really good 100 rounds ago and are not so hot over the past 12 rounds. When we take a look at the rolling report for everything this week, hopefully it turns out to be good. I would like it to be good for guys that I like. Let's take a look at the guys that I favor. I've put in 13 favorites so far as we've been going through this uh, past 12 rounds. All right, so List is second. Kirk has gotten better over time. Woodland's gotten better over time. Pendrith's gotten a lot better over time. Uh, so has Hadwin. So has Smotherman. Vegas has gotten worse, but he's still inside the top tw 15. He went from 9th to 15th. That's not all so bad. Keegan goes from 2nd over the past 100 to 15th over the past 12, but he's 1st from the past 8. Uh, that may be too small of a sample to look at. So the only guy that's gotten, I guess Davis Riley's around where he's supposed to be. He was 88. He got 62. K.H. Lee goes from 41st to 83rd. Uh, I didn't throw Kazire on this list. I suppose we could look at him too. Maybe we can take a look at that right now. Rory, first past 100, first the past 12. This is shaping up to be a Rory week. This would be a nice confidence boost for Rory. Go out, win here. If I mean, maybe you want to play a Rory-Rory double this week. Bet Rory to win this, bet him to win the Masters, get double juiced up odds on both. Um, not usually my scene to do something like that, but Rory is someone that we've seen with a lot of momentum in the past. Once he starts playing well, the ball starts rolling downhill a little bit. And it's not like he's been playing poorly. It's far from it. It's just he hasn't... Rory always gets stuck, and the same thing's happening to Rom now. When you're so good and you're the number one player in the world or perceived as being one of the best players in the world, and you don't just win all the time then people think that you suck. I mean, he won in October at the CJ Cup against a really good field where he hit his irons like absolute crap. But look at his tee to green. So far in 2022, Genesis, 2.4 tee to green. I mean, it's not great. He still came in 10th because he putted well. The other two tournaments, 8.2, 8.9. Couldn't rate a putt to save his life, but everything else had been playing so well for him that it's going to be really hard to overlook Rory in this circumstance. Neesmith uh, is really trending back upwards. He's back inside the top 10. Guido, we know that's a, a misnomer based on the stats that they're drawing from. None of that is really all that recent for him. Svensson's getting better. Hadwin continues to look really good. He's been a trender that's going way up. Let's take a look at guys that have fallen off a cliff. Hoffman's fallen off a cliff. 100 rounds ago, he was 7th. He's 133rd in this field. It's not going to stop me and anyone else from playing Charlie Hoffman at the Charlie Hoffman Open, but it is worth noting that he has not been playing all that well as of late. Now, he was injured for a bit, had a WD or two. Uh, Palmer's really fallen back. Lonto's really fallen back in terms of the overall stats. Kyle Stanley, we see that his ball striking has not been close to as good anymore. Bramlett's really taken a few steps backwards as well. Who else has fallen off a cliff? Norlander, Roger Sloan, Shez Reby, all guys that have really been riding the old struggle bus over the course of the past 12 versus what they have been doing long-term. Other than that, Shank has been down, although he might win at Corrales, so who knows now. Pat Perez is someone who's been kind of falling off a cliff a little bit too, so all worth noting. And you can see other guys who are trending upwards. Like I mentioned, Hadwin uh, is one that is doing much better now than he had been previously. Pendrith is probably the biggest mover of the bunch. Pendrith and Hadwin, the Canadians. The other one, Dylan Fertelli, uh, goes from 99th to 19th. Has he, has Smelly Fertelli really been playing that well? Did not realize that. Let's see, 50th of the players. He's made 
I mean, since Pebble, he's been pretty good. He missed the cut in Phoenix, had a real bad go. He's been bad off the tee, which frankly is strange because when you look at his past like 100 tournaments, he's actually a positive gainer off the tee. Over the past 20 tournaments, he's losing almost a half a stroke per event, although the irons have been getting much better. He went to school at the University of Texas, I believe, so he should be somewhat familiar with how Texas golf is played. I don't think that's a huge advantage, but... And we have seen that with different people in the past. Like Johnny Vegas always generally plays pretty well. His number this week is going to be stupid. It's going to be like 33 to 1 or something. Then he's going to win. No one's going to bet him because they're going to say things like, oh, man, I didn't want to bet Johnny Vegas at 33 to 1 because that's too short. He should be 50 to 1 and he wins. Uh, Let's see. Fratelli in Houston earlier at the end of last year was 19th. How has he done at Valero over the years? Because... I mean, I can see him doing well at this course. Valero, 42nd, 37th, and 20th. Has gained on approach all three times. Gained off the tee twice. Been bad around the greens. Gained on the greens two times. Uh, He did not play it a year ago. So, obviously, a bit of a different player uh, than he was in 2018 than he is now. But that's interesting to see. Uh, I would always like Fratelli at courses that play a little bit more difficult. That's usually... But Fratelli's a really weird one because he just tends to pop at places that you really wouldn't expect so, I don't know, maybe that's something I can get behind. Si Wu, Danny Lee, who's in a big dropper here? Connors has dropped down a little bit. That's It's funny because I have it sorted by past 12 rounds. That's the one aberrational outlier for him outside of the past four rounds, which is completely irrelevant, really. Uh, everything else is inside the top 10, no matter the range that you're looking at. Matt Jones, former winner in Texas. Uh, he was a part of that year when the Aussies just swept through Texas. Matt Jones, who else? Bowditch, Adam Scott. Someone else won that year, I believe. Can't remember which, which was the one that Matt Jones won. I remember he holed out to beat Kuchar. Maybe it was at the Heritage. Was it this tournament? Was that the Shell? The Shell Houston Open was where he did that uh, to beat Matt Kuchar. I believe it was Matt Kuchar in 2014. Yeah, he beat Kuch. Yeah, he holed out, I think, on the 72nd hole to win that. I'm disappointed that Sergio's not playing. Uh, obviously, as a co-designer of this course, you think that he would be in the field, but that is just not the case for old Sergio this week in Texas. And that will do it for the course info. I suppose we should try to guess the odds on the field this week. Now, what I guess is really irrelevant to what the odds actually are. And that's really going to be it. Um, So here's what I'm going with. I think there's going to be a clear five. There could be other guys, depending on how match play ends up. If Connors wins, he'll get elevated. Uh, If Answer wins, he'll get elevated. Obviously, we know that. That's out of the realm of our control right now. So what we're looking for in terms of guessing the odds here, I got Rory at 9-1. to It might even be steeper than that. I have Spieth at 12-1. to Bryson and Hideki both at 16-1. to One, because people don't like betting Bryson. He looked a bit rusty at match play, and Two, for Hideki, someone just coming off an injury, I think that it's going to cause people to be somewhat pensive in the market, at least initially. So either he gets opened at like 10 or 12 and drops back to 16 and then ends up being at 14 once people are like, oh, what a value, Hideki Matsuyama! Or he just opens at 18 or 16 and gets bet down to 12 as the week goes along. People will want to be on Hideki just based on the strength of this field, uh, what he does well. and there, But there will be people that are like, eh, I don't know about that neck. You might have the the Roxbury injury where he's just telling people like you have to develop like you got this uh, military experiment so you got a tick maybe something went wrong and then you're just like back off back off mind your business that's all just mind your business that's something you can put the Ashley Banks into effect here I don't know Abraham answer 18 to 1 Corey Connors 20 to 1 after that, I got Finau at 28. Maybe that's too optimistic. Siwoo and Day at 33, along with Johnny Vegas at 33 to 1. 
List, McNeely, Woodland. The Woodland number is probably a bit uh, probably a bit generous, but I have those guys at 40 to 1. They could all be like 35 and below here. Some of them you could see at 50 or 45 at the same time. I do think that Vegas, uh, just based on the numbers that I just looked at, Texas Connection, I mean, his name is Vegas. Uh, it's a lot like Travis Outlaw in the NBA when he got that max extension. Like, sometimes just having a good name goes a long way to making people remember you, wanting to bet on you. Uh, I know that sounds really stupid, but that's actually, like, a bias that people have towards people with really cool names. So that will do it for me, playing the Listener's League. That's available right now, down in the description. Smash the like for the episode. Sub to Mayo Media Network. And I will be back with my main man, Jeff Feinberg, on Monday for the complete betting breakdown for the Valero Texas Open. If you, like me, want to do your research on the site, go to fantasynational.com slash mayo to get 20% off. And don't be afraid to play in that one and done. It starts at the Masters. Masters through the Open, a brand new one and done at fantasygolfchampionships.com. Go play in that right now. I'm Pat Mayo. Thanks for watching. I'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.